Welcome to a day of prayer. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Together, let's engage in relationship with Christ through prayer, faith, and His Word. Good morning and welcome, everyone. We are continuing to discuss 2 Samuel in our morning Bible study. We are so happy you're here to join us. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you, and we welcome you, Holy Spirit. We welcome your presence. Guide us into all truth and give us understanding of your word today. We incline our ears to hear what you have to tell us, hear what you have to say to us, Lord. Help us to follow you, Lord God. And we set ourselves to seek your face. We thank you for your patience with us, and we thank you for your presence as well. We thank you that you understand our our form and our humanity, but yet make provisions that we walk in your spirit, Lord God, and not in our flesh. We thank you for forgiving us for our sins, and we forgive others, Lord, because you have freely forgiven us. So we apply and extend that to others as well, and we loose them and let them go, God. We cast all of our cares on you, Jesus, and we ask you to minister to the people, um, your people and the people of the nations that your people belong to, God. Mm-hmm. Minister peace on their behalf, safekeeping and understanding, Lord God. And we thank you for that, Jesus. We give you all glory and all praise and all honor, and we exalt you in every situation, and we let you be bigger and greater in our eyes than anything and anyone else. We honor you, Lord, in Jesus' mighty and wonderful name. Amen. Amen. All right, so we are continuing with Second Samuel. We're in chapter 20. Can I get a volunteer to read the first 13 verses? Me. All right, promise. And there happened to be there was a rebel whose name was Sheba, the son of Bichri, a Benjamite. And he blew a trumpet and said, We have no share in David, nor do we have inheritance in the son of Jesse. Every man to his tents, O Israel. So every man of Israel departed David. Deserted David and followed Sheba, the son of Bakari. Bikri, sorry. But the men of Judah from the Jordan as far as Jerusalem remained loyal to their king. Now David came to his house at Jerusalem, and the king took the ten women, his concubines, whom he had left to keep the house, and put them in seclusion and supported them, but did not go into them. For they are shut up to the day of their death, living in widowhood. And the king said to Amasa, Assemble the men of Judah for me within three days, and he presented here and pre- be, present, be present, present here you yourself. Go. So Amasa went to assemble the men of Judah, but he delayed longer than the set time which David had appointed him. And David said to Abishai, Now Sheba, the son of Bichri, will do us more harm than Absalom. Take your serv- your Lord's servants and pursue him. Least he find for himself fortified cities and escape us. For Job's men with the Cherethites and the Pelethites and all the mighty men went out after him. And they went out to Jerusalem to pursue Sheba the son of Bichri. And when they're at the large stone which is at Gideon, a master came before them. Now Job was dressed in battle armor. On it was a belt with a sword fastened in 
the sheet at his hips. As he was going for it, it fell out. Then Joab said to Amasa, I am host, my brother. And Joab took Amasa by the beard with his right hand to kiss him. But Amasa did not notice the sword that was in Joab's hand. And he struck him with it in the stomach, and his entrails poured out on the ground. And he did not strike him again, thus he died. Then Joab and Amasa, his brother, pursued Abishai. Abishai, sorry. It's okay. Pursue Sheba, the son of Bichri. Meanwhile, one of Job's men stood near Amasa and said, Whoever favors Job and whoever is for David, follow Joab. But Amasa walled and his blood in the middle of the highway. And when the man saw that all the people stood still, he moved Amasa from the highway to the field and threw a garment over him. When he saw that everyone who came upon him halted, when he was removed from the highway, all the people went on after Job to pursue Sheba, the son of Bikri. Mm -hmm. well, there's a lot in here. So, I'll start with you. For What did the Holy Spirit reveal to you? And or what questions or comments do you have? Part of me is kind of like... How come Job, why did Job kill Amasa? But I'm not, uh, I, early, not earlier, weeks ago, I believe, I came upon the, came upon the reason why Job killed Amasa. Okay, let's hear it, sir. But I don't know what that is. Well, what, what did you come upon or across? What was revealed to you? So in the very previous chapters, in chapter 17, mm -hmm. uh, is it 17? It says, verse 20, 17, verse 24, it says, and Absalom made Amasa a captain of the army instead of Joab. This Amasa was the son of a man whose name was Jethro, an Israelite, who had gone to Abigail, the daughter of Nasha, sister of Zariah, Joab's mother. Okay. So explain. I really don't think that Joab killed Amasa because... That he replaced Joab. Okay, well then why do you think it was? Because Amasa was a traitor. He was an enemy to the king. Is that it? As if that was the case, you have killed him way earlier. He could have said, you were a traitor of the king, so I'll kill you. Well, yes and no. Because David had already granted forgiveness. Right? Yes. And there is the other aspect of both David and Joab 
Yep, they are seeking the Lord on things, but they also have, I'll say, a bigger picture in mind, which is the whole house of Israel, or the kingdom, <clears throat> excuse me, of Israel. The entirety of the of Israel. The people and the land. Right? Everything within it. And with that, they're trying to unify the kingdom. Remember, it's been divided. There was just a rebellion with Absalom. So David extended grace and favor and gave him a place of leadership. But now let's look at the other aspect. Did he value it? No. How do you know? Because if he did, he would have done what he was told and been there on time. In the correct time. He would have accomplished it in the time. Assembling the troops is a very simple process. Simple. He was given three days to just gather the army together. And he was unable to do the simple thing. Never mind, there's a much harder and bigger thing at stake here, which is put down a rebellion, another rebellion. That's a much more difficult task. And he failed to do the first one. It, it shouldn't have taken three days to do that. That's an excessive amount of time. Or longer than three days. I mean, I think and the it, king was... And it took him longer, yes. Mm -hmm. Which is why David then sends Abishai. Right, Abishai? Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes, thank you. Um, he then sends him and says, no, you got to go and put down the rebellion. And it was... He says, put it down by killing Shiva, right? Yes. Okay. Clearly, at some point, Amasa got himself together and his troops together and then goes off to, to do the initial task that he was given, right? Yes. Okay. But you can see in this, he's also just not fit for the job. He either doesn't care about it, it's not important to him, or he's just unprepared. Now, Joab was also there not to be the, the chief of the army or the general, but he was also there to help him out, if, as it were, right? Yes. Okay, but like anything else, we have to listen to instruction. Now, yes, that, that's, that's important. Because you don't see that, that connection. It's not discussed, right, between Amasa and Joab. But what's constantly stated in this section of Scripture is Amasa's failures. He failed to do what he was asked to do in the time that he was asked to do it. And then here he is pursuing someone, if you will, right? Yes. To squash the rebellion. And he doesn't even have his primary weapon, his sword. How is he going to conduct himself in battle if you're missing half of your equipment? <clears throat> and, and equipment, I mean your weapon. But then that's not the only thing that's described. It's a failure to pay attention 
to what's going on around you to be observant, to be aware of your surroundings in the situation. Because even when Joab comes up and kills him, it says he even failed to recognize that in Joab's hand was a sword. He just thought it was going to be this peaceful thing. Oh, how are you? So that also denotes that his mind wasn't prepared. He wasn't focused on the task at hand. He was not ready for combat. I don't know what he was thinking. The Lord knows. Mm -hmm. But clearly it wasn't focused on what he had been asked to do. Mm. Now I bring this up because it's important for us. We have to learn, we have to know, we have to understand what the Lord has asked of us and carry it out as he's told us to do so. In fullness and completion, in the required amount of time that he's given us, but also, right, what does Paul tell us? Be on the alert, be ready. None of those things, there was no, uh, what's referred to as situational awareness, was going on whatsoever with Amasa. Never mind he had just participated in a rebellion on the side against the king. Uh, so he? so he had diligence with one, potentially, but now not with the other? Well, I mean, he really didn't even have a chance to show diligence. He was put in Joab's place for the, if, the counterfeit team, if you will. Absalom being a counterfeit king, and yes. then Amasa being put in place as a counterfeit to Joab, right? Yes, because God had appointed one structure, one dynamic, and the enemy tried to replace that, right, by yes. using someone as his operative, Absalom, to rebel against his father and try to kill him. But Amasa participated in that. Uh -huh. So it's also possible that while King David was uniting the kingdoms and going, okay, for this moment, I'm going to give you a chance. I'm going to unite them today. But Amasa... Delaying longer, he could have been rallying more troops for another rebellion. To assist with Sheba. Now, Joab, also being a man of war, you think he wasn't factoring these things into account? Why did you take so long? If you're for the king, clearly you will follow the king's orders and commands, and it'll be to you as ser serious. As it is right? to the king. Yes. Because that's the authority over you. That's who you count as authority. But the fact that he took it upon himself to take longer is one, a sign of rebellion in and of itself. You can just do what you want to on your own schedule, not yield to what the king is, has told you, right? Yes. But also, what are you doing in this much longer time? Is it A, like you're, you're just incompetent in the position or you're not fully developed for it? Or are you continuing in the rebellion that you- Initially participated mm -hmm. in. I mean, it could, I, I could see Joab going, huh? Okay, this is just the, the opportunity that we needed to go ahead well, and take you off. He's, he's adding all these factors mm -hmm. together. Now, I'm not saying this, is, this was a, a spiritually led thing, right? Because oh, you can what, look at for this Joab? for or? Joab, yes, okay. his actions. I'm not saying the Lord condoned it, mm -hmm. right? But there is the other aspect of even if it is naturally minded, you have all these factors playing out. And they're in the midst of a rebellion right now. Which, well, you can kind of see it, it's time, it's decision time. Mm -hmm. Which is why after he strikes Amasa, they let him bleed out right there. Mm 
And the people that are watching, they give them the choice. If you're for David, then you better go with Joab and squash the rebellion. If you're not, okay, then stay here, right? Yes. That's the, alter that's the alternative. Either you're going to go and you're going to help squash the rebellion, you're going to participate <laughs> in overcoming the enemy and, and the attempt and the goal to unify everybody together, mm -hmm. or, well, it doesn't take a genius to figure out the same fate as a, that a mass is facing, lie and wait for all those people that resisted. Because the whole point of this is to squash the rebellion. Yes. Not delay, not give it opportunity to drag on. But in so doing, we, Christians, believers, followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, have the same decision to make. What are we going to do? Are we going to be with him? being obedient because we love him and doing what he commands us to do, coming against the enemy, the evil one, Satan, pulling down strongholds in the spiritual realm, which then we also see manifest itself in the natural. Are we going to do those things, fighting the Lord's battles? Or are we going to be in resistance and rebellion against him? We... The church, the body of Christ, Christians, believers, have a choice to make. <coughs> and it's serious. It's not a game. It's real. It's for keeps. Why do you think, and you see this throughout the word, what did Moses say? Choose. What did Joshua say? Right? Moses said, choose the blessing of the curse. Joshua said, Choose you this day whom you'll serve. Yes. Whether it be the Lord or it be other gods. Me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. But you choose. You kind of see the same thing played out here. Yes, using natural means and circumstances. Mm -hmm. But let's let's see the bigger picture of what's at stake here and how this applies to our lives, spiritually as well as naturally. Mm -hmm. You know what I noticed? David had a lot of um, little fire springing up from the house of, of Benjamin, <laughs> from, from the tribe of Benjamin. Yeah. He had a lot of little, um, like it just kind of keeps coming up. People maybe a little sour at Saul's lineage. You know, they, they're no longer relatives of the king direct well I mean they're all related but no longer direct relatives and um he's had a lot of trouble from from the house of Saul here recently which is aside from what he had from his own house but um who was that that was cursing him Shemai yep and um what looked like was on the the brink with Mephibosheth and um but he he corrected himself and then Sheba, which, you know, that it was all but silenced and at peace with him, right? When David was walking upright yes. before the Lord. And you saw that. Everybody was quiet and contented. They may have been in, I don't even know that they were inwardly angry, because um, those kind of people tend to live, lead to rebellion. But um, as like one that's boiling over with malice and discontent on their on their heart 
but God had already quiet caused them to be at peace with him and, you know, gave David wisdom to treat them well. So it's just interesting that now they're, they're popping up and, you know, like I said, Mephibosheth brought himself back into alignment and was appreciative of the life that God had given to him through David and the kindness that had been shown to him. But, um, it's just interesting how Benjamin keeps being a troublesome people to him and his his um, rule mm-hmm. after after that hard point that we've discussed um, within the last few chapters. And then um, the fact that the the scripture chapter twenty verse one calls him a, a rebel or a, a man of Bilal is mm-hmm. is very indicative you know there's always when we have a group of people there are always people that want to just cause trouble and stir up strife strife. absolutely Mm -hmm. and be um just be scoffers and mockers and be obstinate but also create divisions for their own desires Mm -hmm. right i mean clearly led, led away by their own lusts right and will take advantage of every opportunity to do so right sounds a lot like the evil one it does. I mean, and that's who Bilal is, isn't Absolutely. it? Absolutely. Okay. <laughs> right. So think about this in your, your personality. If you find yourself being obstinate and contrary for the sake of being contrary, where does that come from? If you find your, I just don't want to, you know, and it's, I'm not talking about us resisting um, laws and restrictions or requirements that are contrary to the Lord, like, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. No, don't worship anything else. God has already said, mm-hmm. we shall worship the Lord our God as one. Right? And, and know the gods before me. Exactly. Serve with all your mind, heart, body, soul, and strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. Amen. So he's already, the Lord already made clear what his requirements are for us. So like a law that arises that's contrary to that, of course, we're not to follow it. We don't support things that God says are an abomination or are displeasing to him in any capacity. But... There's always, the enemy is still here in the earth and he's still present. And as believers, it's our job to, first of all, not cooperate with the enemy, right? Which means making ourselves subject to the Holy Spirit because there is no just you working for yourself. You're either for God or you're not, right? And if you're not for God, then the enemy is automatically there. There's, there's no just I'm an independent, (laughs) like in politics. No, there's, there's no independent teams here. It's one or the other. No free agents. Right, exactly. So it's important that we don't allow ourselves to be that one just looking to cause strife for the sake of causing strife because that doesn't come from God. He's not the author of confusion, right? Yes. But also when we are living our life as believers, you know, the Bible talks about there being persecution for those of us that choose to live a life for Christ, that the enemy does try to come up and stir up trouble. But how can we deal with that? How can we keep that? under our feet it's not about the flesh and blood it's not about the person that you're seeing before you but it's about the spirit behind it number one and then on the other side of it how is your conduct what is your conduct is it that of of such a one who is pleasing to the god to the lord god of creation the god almighty where he can go hey his or her behavior, they're pleasing to me. So I'm going to cause their enemies to be at peace with them. I'm going to surround them with my hedge of protection and give my angels charge over them to keep them in all their ways. If our conduct is that, 
where it's pleasing to the Lord, we can trust that he will subdue those things on our behalf. No weapon formed against us shall prosper. Right? Yes. So it's our job and our business to be mindful of that. The, the enemy is in the earth. He's going to be here to the appointed time. And it's no good wishing that he go away because <laughs> the Lord has already told us that his time is short, but it is appointed as well. Mm-hmm. And right now our job is to enforce what Christ has already done in his flesh, in his physical body. And by flesh, I mean with shedding his blood on the cross, right? Dying on the cross for us, being the propitiation for our sins, and then placing his blood on the mercy seat and enforcing the authority that he's given us by and with keeping ourselves in alignment with him so that he can do what he's already said he would do. Not being ignorant and going, well, I don't know, and living kind of any kind of way, teeter-tottering, lukewarm kind of lifestyle that gives place to the enemy. That makes sense? Yes. And with that, also taking the authority that he's given us Right. right. He gave every time he sent out his disciples, he did what? It says he gave them authority to do a myriad of things, mm-hmm. cast out unclean spirits and raise, uh, heal the sick, and and all these other things. Right. Mm-hmm. And they rejoiced over those things. They saw it. And they were like, "This is great. We're being used." And and they saw the results of that. Mm-hmm. Okay, but that also comes with, as you said, honey, living a life submitted to the Lord. You can't do your own thing and then say, oh, well, I'm going to take this power that the, and authority the Lord's given me to do this. No, it comes with first being submitted to him. Mm-hmm. And there is no seven, seven sons of Sceva. Right, right. That doesn't work out. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly didn't work out. Attempt either. It comes as a result of relationship and obedience. And the mm-hmm. obedience comes from love. Mm-hmm. It's because of his love that we receive his grace, which we access through faith. And think about, you know, that, that sounds kind of like a complicated um, discussion, like, like what we just talked about, keeping yourself and then exercising and walking in the authority that God has given you. But as you're going, purify your motives. Clarify them before the Lord, and that'll help you. Sometimes thoughts will sneak in, right? Yes. And you think, I'm combating them. I'm changing my thought process. Um, but sometimes... It means you're pushing that thought down further into you and then trying to cover it versus replacing. We've, we've been doing a lot of talking in our, our private time about God's truth. There is but one. There's only one. There's not his truth, her truth, their truth, my truth. It's God's truth. It's either a true or it's a lie. Amen. So if it's not God's truth, uproot it from your life. Exactly. So in doing that, Clarifying your motives means pulling up thoughts and intentions and motivations that don't come from God. They are not the truth. It may be a nice idea. It may sound pleasant. It may seem like there's some earthly carnal truth to it. However, it is not the wisdom of God, so thereby it is a lie. And you cannot suppress it and push it down into you, but then think there's going to be a different result because ultimately it's still there. And what you have to do is replace that lie Pull it up by its roots, cast it out, using that authority that God gave us in the name of Jesus, right? And now take the truth of God's word and insert that. And then begin to continue to build your foundation. 
And when you look at yourself, when you examine yourself, ask the Holy Spirit to purify those thoughts for you to clarify. Am I doing this? I think I'm saying this, but it, and God's like, "Mm, mm, you're trying, but there's truth that you need to add to it. God's truth, not good ideas, not covering it and wait for a later time, but God's truth. (coughs) God's truth. Okay. Yes. And that will help you walk with him. That will help you. Stand in that place that you need to be. Okay? Yes. And deal with those those people, with the enemy trying to stir up strife through people and help with those situations. Anyone have anything else they want to add for this part? Okay. Well, let's, let's continue forward, right? Can I get a volunteer to read from 14 through the end of the chapter? Please? I will. All right, Layla. And he went through all the tribes of Israel to Abel and Beth Maaka and all the Barites. So they were gathered together and also went after Sheba. Then they came and besieged him in Abel of Beth Maaka, and they cast up a siege mound against the city, and it stood by the rampart. And all the people who were with Joah battered the wall to throw it down. Then a wise woman cried out from the city, Hear, hear! Please say to Joab, come nearby that I may speak with you. When he had come near to her, the woman said, Are you Joab? He answered, I am. Then she said to him, Hear the words of your maidservant. And he answered, I am listening. So she spoke, saying, They used to talk in former times, saying they shall surely seek guidance at Abel, and so they would end disputes. I am among the peaceable and faithful in Israel. You seek to destroy a city and a mother in Israel. Why would you swallow up the inheritance of the Lord? And Job answered and said, Far be it, far be it from me that I should swallow up or destroy. That is not so. But a man from the mountains of Ephraim, Sheba the son of Bichri by name, has raised his hand against the king, against David. Deliver him only, and I will depart from the city. So the woman said to Joab, Watch, his head will be thrown to you over the wall. Then the woman in all her wisdom went to all the people, and they cut off the head of Sheba, the son of Bichri, and threw it out to Joab. Joab, sorry, not Joab. <laughs> then he blew a trumpet, and they withdrew from the city, every man to his tent. So Joab returned to the king at Jerusalem. And Joab was over all the army of Israel. Benaniah, the son of Jehoiada, was over the Carathites and the Pelathites. Adoram was in charge of revenue. Jehoshaphat, the son of Ahilud, was recorder. Shiva was scribe. Zadok and Abiathar were the priest. And Ira, the Jerothite, sorry, was the chief minister under David. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, what was revealed to you in that section, or what questions or comments do you have? I appreciated that the woman was like, "Hey, we're not we're not a part of that, you know." Like, hold on, you know, like we'll we'll uh, <laughs> we'll we'll deal with this. Just give us a moment. Don't kill everybody because of this person. But I also, um, you know, something important for us to understand is that. When we think about the bride of Christ, that's a, a huge 
point of discussion, and you mentioned it earlier, mm-hmm. with within the body of Christ, what is the bride? Is it the, it's the New Jerusalem? And they're like, no, it's the church, the body of Christ. It is both. It is the land and its people. It is the New Jerusalem, the heavenly community, and its people. What is a land without the people? Right? You see such yes. great value that this that David has, Joab has, for the people. Right? Even Absalom yes. and Ahithophel were like, well, we'll get the, we'll save the people, but we'll just get rid of David. Didn't have to turn the land as in the dirt, the soil, right? It was to win the heart of the people. Mm-hmm. So it is both the community, the land, the community is both the land and its people. Think about natural Israel, who we see today. Who were they? What was the land of Israel when all of its inhabitants were dis- were scattered, were dispersed in the diaspora, and they were in every other country? Or yeah. even before it was given to Abraham. And, and Or I should say Abraham purchased it. But he purchased it because the Lord had given it to him. Mm-hmm. So what was the land before that? Land. Just land. It's the land of Canaan. Yeah? Yes. Okay. So the value is both the place and its people. When the people were scattered, even though they knew who they were, technically, did they really get the fullness of who they were? No. No. So as Because the people also need a place mm-hmm. to remain, to reside, mm-hmm. to live. So it is both. And so with our Heavenly Father, it's both His people, the, the portion, the heavenly community is both heaven itself, but it's also the inhabitants, the filling up. And some of us are still here in the earth. Some are still, they're in heaven, right? They've already made their yes. choice and they've, they've passed and everything of that nature. Mm-hmm. So they're, they're in heaven, but what he's looking for, what he's returning for, what, what matters to him is both, both place and people. So with that being said, What's the significance of this, uh, well, it says wise woman, but she also describes herself as a maidservant, right? Yes. Yes. What was, what did her statement mean? Surely they shall seek, or they used to talk in former times saying they shall surely seek guidance and able, and so they would end disputes. What does that mean? Uh, they come there for people to listen to their cases and to end an argument, to continue to argument over it. They went to a judge, basically. They were typically that mediator, right? They were. They had wisdom that was given, right? That yes. an understanding over the situation. <clears throat> excuse me, where they could speak into a situation and. People would recognize this is wisdom. This is what they're saying is right, and end disputes, right? Yes. Well, I find it interesting that she also describes herself as a peacemaker or peaceful and faithful in Israel. Because, and why do I say that? Because that's what Christ expects of us. Blessed are the peacemakers, right? Yes. Okay. So in the midst of turmoil, she's still holding fast to, well, uh, in this case, King David and his authority, but ultimately it's the Lord, right? As we should be doing 
as Christians, as believers, holding fast, being faithful to the Lord, regardless of what it looks like and, and what divisions are out there and turmoil and disputes and, and all those things. But then she also seeks Joab. It was interesting. She didn't look for Amasa. No, she didn't. She specifically asked for Joab. Mm -hmm. yes. And then further, what was the, I'll say, ultimatum that was given to her? That she had to um, hand over Sheba. Sheba. Okay. Or? They were going to tear down the wall to get to him. They were going to eliminate everybody that sheltered and protected him. Because that means you go along with it. Because you're, exactly. And if there was no response, their silence was consent. Mm -hmm. Right? So, so in other words, they were supportive. They condoned Sheba's behavior in that case. Now, is that what Joab wanted to do? No. Absolutely not. This is his own people. This is another mm -hmm. tribe, part of the, the people of Israel. The, the children of Israel, of exactly. Lord, she said. So no, he didn't want to strike it down. He didn't want to be responsible to kill everybody. But you've seen this, this tactic, technique, procedure, whatever, employed before, right? Yes. With the whole Bathsheba situation. Joab was out there already laying siege to that city and the king, right? Yes. Okay. Did it take some time? Sure. What were the results? They took the city. Took the city. Exactly. How many people died of starvation? Vice, how many died from the sword? Right? It doesn't really go into those numbers, but that's a guaranteed fact. You lay siege, they get no supplies coming in. They're expending the supplies that they currently have. Well, there comes a point where people are going to start dying. And Joab want to see that? Did he want to be used in that way? Absolutely not. <laughs> but that was the reality of things. If you refuse, if the city refused to give up Sheba, to do what was right and to throw out this evil rebel. individual, yeah. right? This rebel, this, mm -hmm. in this case, we'll say son of the devil, mm -hmm. right? Okay. Then what? The whole city was going to be destroyed. Now, much in the same way, you heard that, like we already already said, right? From Moses, you heard it from Joshua. The Lord tells us, hey, be without spot, wrinkle, or blemish. In other words, remove those things from within you. You as a temple, you as a city, as the body of Christ. Remove those things, <clears throat> excuse me, that don't reflect the Lord in your life. The, our Heavenly Father, His nature, His character in your life. Remove them. That's another God. That's something that you're harboring. He says you'll have no other gods before me. Right? We are, we've discussed this earlier in this, but it's a choice for us. Now, what's the, the consequences for that? Ultimately, it's eternity in one of two places. Either in the heavenly community with him, or it's, it's hell in the lake of fire. How important is it for you? What value does that hold in your life? Is holding on to whatever sin or whatever it is worth your relationship with the Lord? No. And, and ultimately perishing and 
Spending eternity in hell? No. No. I would hope not. But there are many that say that and then don't do anything about it. Yeah, because it's easy to look at sin as like the, the blanket word sin, and you're like, of course not. But then when it comes down to the little individual items, people have a harder time with that. And in this situation, yep, the woman took that, and she said, okay, we're going to deal with this. And how do they know? Because she threw Shiva's head over the wall. I mean, she could have just tied him up in ropes and sent him out the front door. All right. But no, they took care of the action of killing him themselves. They dealt with the situation. They didn't need an army or someone else to come in and do the job for them. They dealt with the situation themselves. In the most thorough way possible. There was no coming back from that. There wasn't just a slash across something. They... But then you also see the proof, right? Mm -hmm. Yes. If, if we are saying to the Lord, yes, I've dealt with this, and this is no longer an issue in my life, there should be proof, right? The Lord looks for that. He says, my, I desire that you bear much fruit. So where is the fruit in our lives? we say we've changed, other people should also see that change within us. As I, you know, reflect back and, and think about even people that, you know, just come to the Lord, like, we'll just say today was the day of their salvation. They received Christ or, uh, I'll say, submitted to him and, and accepted him as their Lord and Savior. What's immediately said? by their friends and family. Oh man, that person's changed, they're different. They asked them, what's different about you? What happened? You used to do whatever it is, X, Y, Z, or Q, or whatever that thing is. And sometimes they don't even recognize that they've changed. But either way, there's a, it's demonstrated. You see, you can experience the, the fruit, the difference good fruit that's now coming out of them as a result of the Heavenly Father flowing in and through them. Mm -hmm. Our lives should be no different, especially as believers and Christians. Mm -hmm. People should be able to see a difference and, it, and the nature, the character of Christ coming out of us to so much so that they even ask, what is it that you have? What is different about you? And if they're not, I have to ask. We have to. We should reflect on our own lives. Are we really different? Have we really dealt with that thing? Or are they just resisting so that to that level? But it begins with us first. That's why I, I stated we should ask ourselves, are we really exhibiting Christ in us, his nature, his character, so that the whole world can see and experience? It begins with us. James tells us that, right? Search ourselves. 
Don't be like that, that individual, that man that looks at himself in the mirror and then immediately forgets who he is or what he looks like, right? Yes. But we should know. And it's not a comparison with other believers. It's holding ourselves up to the standard, the mirror, which is Christ. He's our pattern and our example. Are we reflecting him in and through our lives? Are we conducting ourselves in a way that he and our Heavenly Father is pleased and glorified on this earth, in our lives? If we're not, let's deal with that thing. Let's uproot it. Let's kill it. Or I should say uproot it. We'll stick with uproot. <laughs> uproot it from our lives and cast it out. Kill the root, kill the weed, so that way it can't grow back. Mm -hmm. That's a little more, uh, I'll say PC, but uh, family friendly. Yeah. Absolutely. Hmm. And then first... Verse 23, on a slightly different note, puts Joab back over all the army of Israel. Hmm. That That's the first thing mentioned. <laughs> when he talks about David's governing officers, the mm -hmm. first person in position mentioned is Joab. I think Amasa was certainly naive and thinking that, I mean, Joab was still, I guess he got moved to number two, but still in arm's reach. Well, like anything else, right? A, a, if you are properly going to prepare someone for a position, yes, they you let them come in, they have their own ideas, but you have to, there's, a, I'll say, a turnover process, mm -hmm. right? Where you're preparing them, this is the day-to-day, -day, this is what typically happens, right? All those things have to occur so that they can function and take on the responsibility themselves. All right? You even see this later. Uh, well, not, not so much in Samuel. You might see it in Samuel. With Solomon, with his son Solomon. All right? The Lord had chosen Solomon to, to be his replacement. And David was still the king, but he was turning it over to Solomon. So Solomon was actually the one ruling and reigning, even though David was still there and alive. Mm -hmm. So you kind of have that same thing played out there, but individual has to be willing to learn and of course there has to be skills and knowledge and, and all those things so that they can function at high level in that position because not just about them again this is about the unity of the nation bringing them together mm. not dividing them Absolutely. Mm. so there is the other ordeal of, did Amasa do all that he was supposed to do? Or was he, like the Lord describes in his parables, like a wicked servant? And then how are we acting? How are we behaving ourselves with what the Lord has entrusted to us? should look examine ourselves right yes if it's not up to the lord's standard well let's repent and let's get it back in line 
so that we can be found faithful with all that he's given us. Any questions? Any anyone have anything else they want to share or comment on? No. Okay. Let's wrap it up there for today. Can I get a volunteer to close us out in prayer? I will. All right, Layla. Lord, I just thank you for today, Lord, and for your goodness and for continuing to teach us as we go through Second Samuel, Lord, and just go throughout your word for our days, Lord, and teaching us so that we can teach our children and those around us about you, Lord, and bring them towards you, God, and show them your way and your light and your path, Lord. Mm-hmm. And I just thank you for those things, Lord, and for being with us and for everything that you have done and that you are doing and that you will do, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, we love you. God bless you. Have a wonderful day. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to A Day of Prayer. We trust the Lord that you are strengthened and encouraged in your relationship with Christ. Visit us on our website, adayofprayer.org, where you can check out our blog, find additional study resources, or shop the official A Day of Prayer store. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. So until next time, Take care and God bless you.